joins us now, or Al Bat, somewhere in Heartland, Minnesota, in the snow. How are things over there? You getting covered up with a little snow? Yeah, it is. Uh, I was just uh, down a walk and down the road, and there's only one car track uh, down the road. So there's been no no traffic really at all. And I saw it. It was a um, tiny little Kia of some kind <laughs> out there skating around on it. So now I'm looking at, oh, I took a picture of a gray jay. I thought it would be like the world's greatest picture ever. And now, of course, I get it home here and blow it up, and it's all noisy, and it's it's just a uh, you know it's perched on a beautiful uh, broken limb and everything and oh it just all my hopes were dashed so i guess that's why you need to take more pictures <laughs> it's a it's a tuesday tuesday so i guess we don't get to really say that very often all the twos in there is pretty cool two two yeah. 22. I, I know. That's what I was thinking. You should pick a lottery ticket and it should either have the Powerball number, either 2 or 22 is what I think. I'll bet some have done that. What do you think? Maybe. Probably. We'll see if see if they win. I'll check it out. <laughs> There'll be thousands of winners and they'll all have to split it equally, maybe. They'll get $2. I, it's, yeah. it's, it's nice because there's no wind. You know, Boreas, the god of the north wind in Greek mythology, is kind of taking a, a day off. I spotted a coyote the other day uh, coyotes are they're intermediate in size between foxes and wolves and in minnesota they probably average oh, maybe 30 pounds probably ranging from 20 to 50 pounds in weight i checked a thing with a dnr and it said they stand about 18 inches high at the shoulders 18 inches high so what that be the size of a medium-sized dog breed maybe yeah. like border border collie or something like that that mm-hmm. it's not very big mm-hmm. but this one looked huge and why because it's wearing a heavy fur coat in the winter they're gray brown kind of resemble a small german shepherd dog in appearance and in minnesota they're loners for the most part except when families are raising pups and their primary foods are still rabbits and mice that's what they uh, that's how they make a living is uh, preying on rabbits and mice. <clears throat> on a warm late winter day, which we'll be getting here oh, a, later this week probably, uh, look at the base of a tree and see if you can spot jumping pepper flakes. And that's ah. not what they're called, but they're springtails and they're snow fleas. And, folks, it's just, oh, you know, it's like going to a flea circus or something. I don't know what there is about it, but I couldn't tell you how much time I've spent just standing or sitting and watching whatever they're doing there. And it's just uh, one of those cool things. And when you're out driving around, um, the red veins of spring are evident now, uh, particularly on south-facing slopes where the red colors of shrubs brighten and become more vibrant this time of year. Deer find the twigs of red osier dogwood fine eating. And these plants, also known as red twig dogwood, red brush, and a lot of other names are eye-catching. The colors of the yellow-gold outer branches of weeping willows are also enhanced. uh, How would they be enhanced? Chromatically, I guess. So it's great to see them, too. Uh, you can start looking for deer sheds anytime the snow melts. I know a lot of folks, uh, a hobby of theirs is getting out there and tromping around and looking for deer antlers. 
As winter makes a slow slide into spring, listen for birds heralding the oncoming seasonal changes. Uh, February can be a bumpy road, but I'm picking up good vibrations. You know, love is in the air, the air of increasing day length, the smell of skunk wafts <laughs> on the wind, uh, woodpeckers are drumming frequently, and their feather, feathered brethren, cardinals, starlings, chickadees, house finches, nuthatches, blue jays, they're making sounds of spring. The black-capped chickadees whistled Phoebe song sounds like spring's here to me, and Cardinals can sing any time of the year, but they vocalize with increasing gusto uh, beginning right around now. The male white-breasted nuthatches, they sing a rapid nasal what, what, what. Uh, Blue jays make a squeaky pump handle call, kind of a queedle, 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 like you're pumping away like crazy and no water's coming. Uh, Starlings, they mingle chatter. Oh, what could I throw in there? Gurgles, rattles, trills, warbles, whistles, uh, imitations of other birds. House finches sing a long, jumbled warbling of short notes, and the birds call for us to go for a walk, at least to a window. I pulled into, I was traveling, pulled into a fast food parking lot, and the lot was mostly empty spaces, as a lot of them are now with the the indoor seating is closed, so I stopped to return some phone calls. And the automobile stable was being visited by starlings, house sparrows, and crows. Those birds love fast food parking lots because, let's face it, humans are messy. I saw a crow dragging a large slice of pizza as another one watched, likely offering constructive criticism. Lift with your legs. Uh, crow will eat pizza even if it hasn't been run over by a car. So they're uh, they're just they're marvelous birds. Uh, what I thought about right after last week's show, because believe it or not, folks, I think right after a show, I, I thought about something Jack May had asked about skunks, and he uh, had asked if we should re- if I remembered a time when we were supposed to report skunks, and I think I, I might have mentioned it, that it was the spotted skunks. We don't see them anymore. I'd report any of those I come across to DNR. Um, that species is one I called a civet cat when I was growing up. They're uh, cute little guys. They stand on their front feet as a warning before they spray, and I have been sprayed by them <laughs> numerous times as a child. Uh, and uh, they are just uh, really cute little things. But again, they're spotted, and we just we don't see them at all anymore. Al, when you were a kid, did your mom ever put you in a, a bathtub of tomato juice or anything to try and get yes. that smell out? She did? Oh, gosh. Yeah, turned my skin red, and I still <laughs> smelled. I, I smelled like that cross, like a skunk that had been eating too many tomatoes, maybe. It was just, yeah, she tried my poor mom. I love my mom so much, and you just uh, you wish she you could talk to her every day and say, you know what, mom? Boy, I'm sorry about some of that stuff. You know, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't thinking at all. I wouldn't have done that. But she was. Uh, she laughed about everything. She was so a saint, was. wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she was. I heard that a lot. As a like a teenager, I'd hear, "Oh, your poor mother. Your what a saint." So yeah. Hey, Al, I got a question on the text just now from Mark. Mark Steinmetz has a question. He says, are there larks in America? 
Oh, what a great song, Skylark. So it, it depends on what we're talking about, I guess, as far as a lark. We have horn larks here. And in southern Minnesota, we see them all year long. We're seeing a lot more now because some of them do migrate. So we see horn larks. They look like they have little devil's horns popping up. And they're the only native lark found in the United States. So we do, we hear about the other larks uh, around the world, but we have the horn lark, and I think it's a, a pretty cool thing for us to have. So when they sing those songs about the skylark and all those uh, sort of things, they're, they're not singing about our, our lark, I don't think, Mark. And that's a great question, because I believe, and I'd have to check this to be sure, I think once upon a time, they tried releasing larks of one kind or another in in Min, or in the United States. I don't know about Minnesota, but somewhere in the United States, and I don't think they took off. We hear about uh, metal larks, of course, but they are, are not a lark like the horn lark is. So, boy, I wish we did have more, Mark. I love the horn lark. I... Uh, I stop once in a while on the, the very rural roads out here, some of the gravel roads where there's little or no traffic. And uh, my dad, somebody would drive by, and he'd have to look and say, I wonder who in the world that is and what in the world they're driving down this road for. And I stop there, and I take pictures of larks. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> excuse me, the only single species is the horn lark that uh, occurs in North America. So thanks, Mark. Great to hear from you. What a great guy. Uh, Kenny Van Riper, another great guy, said we've had a, we had a young red-headed woodpecker coming to our feeder every day from mid-December through January, but haven't seen it since. It was very exciting since I hadn't seen one in a very long time. I hope it just moved on to greener pastures. Yeah, I didn't have one, I don't think, on a Christmas bird count this year. Often I get them, uh, they're young ones who have kind of a blackish, grayish head. Uh, Vicki LaRoon said, uh, Tom and I are learning to keep our eyes up during our road trips this early spring and are seeing multiple varieties of hawks and some eagles in the air on fields, roosting in the trees, light poles on wires, and diving told witnesses two eagles, one eating carrying, and a younger one waiting his turn in a plowed field just off the road. And then much to our delight, we witnessed three eagles flying just over the trees. When one flew over to the third, struck it, they both tumbled a bit. We were driving and lost view of any more activity. I'd seen something like it years before over the Blue Earth River when two eagles appeared to be charging each other. When at one point they crashed into each other and tumbled, falling quite a ways down before releasing, I was driving so I couldn't see any more activity, just magical and such moments of being in the right place at the right time and looking up. So thank you very much, Vicki. Uh, she said, hey, Al, I know you're always looking up. Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time staring at the sky. It's, um, I see the young pester the old eagles a lot so they will bump them in the air and of course even an adult will bother another one if it's got something to eat at times and uh yeah there's uh they they will do things at certain time of year with the talons uh, clenching because it's a, a bonding 
And it's also, uh, some studies have shown, it's a way of saying, I don't like you, I wish you'd just get out of here, and here's what I'll do to you if you don't leave. So it can be used for both those, and I guess only they know which one they intend. Uh, Gunnar Berg of Albert Lee said, we've had a handful of red poles finally, and amongst a hundred goldfinches and siskins, must be time for those fickle goldfinches to disperse and the siskins to migrate. And I hear from a lot of folks, say, oh, I had so many goldfinches, now I have none. They are nomadic, they can move around, and a lot of the birds we get at our feeders, uh, people ask me often why cardinals come in so early in the morning and then so late in the afternoon. And number one, if you're a male cardinal, you're this bright red guy. You're less conspicuous then, which is especially important for the brightly colored male. There are fewer predators and there's less competition. Most cardinals coming into our feeders are locals, and this is how I'm tying this into Gunner's remarks. Most cardinals coming to feeders are locals. So they have short flights to and from roosts, so they don't have to worry. It's just almost dark. They just got a little short in there on the roost. And the dim lighting makes, of course, for romantic dining. Uh, Cardinals are one of the birds that can handle striped sunflower seeds. They have really thick shells, those seeds, as compared to to black oil. You know, I never knew that, Al. So is that why when you buy the, the sunflower seeds, you don't usually see the striped ones? You don't. And huh. uh, back uh, uh, some years ago, you see them everywhere because there were so many of them raised on farms in North Dakota and places. Hmm. And now I think most of those seeds go to uh, either sunflower, well, probably not sunflower oil, because I imagine the black oil ones would go to that. But so many of them go in the bags that we get, and everybody eats at ball games. And oh, make- sure mouthful of the gray stripe but they do have as you know when you chew them and spit them out it they have thick shells and cardinals can just snap those like nothing but gunner the the goldfinches they could be even the chickadees could be coming from quite a distance so the ones we see in our yard even this time of year we might see them every day they're not necessarily our yard birds. They could be coming from down the road a ways, and they're just out traveling around and saying, boy, we should stop and see Karen Wright, you know, see what she's got going on there at the feeder. <laughs> so so the cardinals are probably local. The rest of them, not so much. Uh, Scott Kudelka. Uh, he's at Miniopa, does a wonderful job there. He said a drive through the bison range or a walk around the campground area of Miniopa State Park in any season provides a pretty quick perspective on the number of large boulders or glacial erratics. I always love glacial erratics. If there's not a band named the glacial <laughs> erratic, <laughs> there should be. Uh, scattered across the landscape, and I bet... Uh, I bet I'm like a lot of you, if you've been out there, I stare at some of those things. They're just huge. They were left behind after glaciers moved through this area with the last one happening 10,000 to 14,000 years ago. That's why there's there's hardly anyone around that remembers those. Uh, On January 15, 2022, 195 citizen science volunteers from the National Eagle Center spread out across the blufflands and forested areas of southeast Minnesota, western Wisconsin, eastern Iowa, and they even got into northwestern Illinois. 
It was the 18th annual Winter Golden Eagle Survey. And they were seeking golden eagles in that region. And they found the number of golden eagles were down below average, but they found 99 of them. The numbers of bald eagles, 1,643, was the second highest count in their survey history. Red-tailed hawks, 866, and rough-legged hawks, 199, were their highest totals ever. Al, you're Here talking. I, you're talking yeah. about the eagles right now. I'm looking at the live eagle cam from the DNR, and the eagle is is buckling down with the snow and the wind. You can see the tree rocking back and forth, so it's protecting. You know, they had another. That eagle had another egg after we talked last Tuesday. Right. It was uh, hatched a couple days later on Thursday. So that is just a wonderful thing to watch. And and I know other folks who have listened have said they've tuned into. Uh, watch that and you can put it on your your screensaver or whatever and it's live and that poor thing right now I feel bad for it but I guess with the feathers maybe it doesn't notice the cold so much yeah probably not but man that's got to be uncomfortable (laughs) up there you're just sitting and the wind's howling around of course it's blowing most of the snow off where is the other one why don't they like snuggle together and get warm is the other guy out hunting or hiding somewhere He's got stuff to do. Oh, you know? okay. He just he can't hang around. He's got a job. No, he's out there <laughs> trying to probably oh. find something to eat to bring her, and they switch off, and so uh, it's uh, they all have uh, jobs to do. You know, one if of the things that they eagle, oh, I was gonna say one of the things that they do I found interesting. It's like they they maybe because they're bored, or I'm not sure why they they push the sticks around. They'll be there in the nest, and they'll push a stick, and they'll move it a little more. Is it like moving furniture in your house to make it more comfortable, or or is it just boredom? I suppose there's a purpose to it. Sometimes there's certainly the bonding part. You know, if you can live through a remodeling, I found and stay together as a married couple, <laughs> you can do pretty much anything together. But uh, I think some of it is just, uh, you know, I think that stick would look better over that wall, just like us with the, uh, with the, a sofa. I think we should move that to the east wall. It just it looks much better over there. And so sometimes I think they just do that. And you can see the female is good at that. <clears throat> She'll just stare. She'll just stare at the part of a nest for a while, and you can see, like, there's wheels turning in there saying, oh, that, you know, that just, it's not working there for me, so I'm going to have to move it over there. But I'm guessing sometimes there probably is reason for it, because they'll say, oh, this isn't, uh, this isn't the right place. It just, it's not, uh, what if, you know, more water could come in there, an egg could roll out, things like that. But uh, both male and uh, female bald eagles will incubate the eggs. And the female, being quite a bit larger, she'll take the longer incubation periods overnight and during cold storms for the most part. She will take care of all that. And I remember a friend, uh, Dave Hancock, who lives up in B.C., who's a bald eagle guy, told me that the female gets the short end of the stick in storms and blizzards. She's the one that's in there incubating when that's going on. Um, You sent something, uh, Karen, uh, during the week, or during last week, when to set up nest boxes for garden birds. And I'm going to start out with one that may not really be a garden bird, but it is for some people, uh, wood ducks. 
uh, probably early March is a good time to get the boxes up. Uh, bluebirds, oh, bluebirds, maybe mid-March would be a good time. And a lot of people leave their bluebird boxes up all year. They just open them up or uh, stuff the uh, the holes full or something like that. House wren is probably May 1st would be a, a good time to get that up because uh, it... Uh, they, we have a lot of our birds arrive here in May, and that's a, a good time for them to come because there's a lot of them need to eat insects and things, so we have a lot of insects then. Uh, listener just, oh, Marion Ball said, there are 21 ravenous doves at my feeders today. I made another trip <laughs> to the feed and seed store. <laughs> Do they mate for life? I always see an odd number lately. I feel bad for number 21. Oh. Is there an eHarmony.com for birdies? <laughs> <laughs> uh, mating pairs are monogamous for a breeding season, and then they might get together on the same territory for succeeding breeding seasons, which means they may mate for life. Uh, their lives are short, and a morning dove finds a new partner if its mate is lost. And I think number one, Marion, should remain hopeful. Uh, why do car- oh, no? I'm sorry, that wasn't a question. Oh, here's a question: Do pileated woodpeckers eat wood? Yeah, it, it seems like they should. They work with wood, so they might accidentally ingest sawdust, just as any skilled carpenter might do. <laughs> they forage in dead trees, stumps, and fallen logs. They make impressive rectangular excavations deep into the wood in search of the tunnels of carpenter ants. Uh, yeah, carpenter ants, if they hear knocking, they don't want to answer their door. The pileated woodpeckers' primary food is carpenter ants, which um, they have a, a nutty taste. Uh, yeah, I have eaten carpenter ants. Uh, it's kind of a bitter, nutty taste, not quite as bitter as an acorn or something, but they have sort of a nutty taste. And then they... Uh, Pileated supplement carpenter ants with other ants, wood boring, beetle larvae, termites, flies, spruce budworms, caterpillars. Uh, somebody told me once they eat a lot of cockroaches, uh, grasshoppers. They will eat uh, quite a bit of wild fruit, including that of poison ivy, and then nuts. And various studies have found that ants make up 40 to 97 percent of an individual's diet. And occasionally I had one here a while back, came into the backyard here, and he was feeding on the suet. So they do come to backyards on occasion. I think he was here for parts of two days and then went on to somewhere he liked a lot better. <clears throat> but it was uh, it was really cool to see him, and the uh, suet flew Oh. Excuse me, I I just have a squirrel staring at me in the window here. I had to wave at him, and he looks back at me like, yeah, yeah, what are you going to do about it, pal? Hey, thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch with me, and uh, thank you for the squirrel there for continuing to stare at me like bring something out to eat here. How about a Rice Krispie bar? You know, when I was a mere child, seeing a a stoplight was exciting. Seeing a stoplight. We, my hometown didn't have them. It doesn't have one now. 
landmarks there have disappeared with time and tornadoes. There are places that look as if they should have a tree because they once had a tree. I miss those pre-GPS days when I could say things like, and if you get to the restaurant, <laughs> you've turned the wrong way. I used to do a TV show, for did one for a long time, and occasionally from the wonderful Village Inn, viewers asked about the sign, real mashed potatoes on the eatery's wall. Those real mashed potatoes made from real potatoes instead of fake potatoes satisfied many appetites. They were powerful good and not the least bit lumpish. I I used to wish I was a possum so I could sink 50 teeth into the mashed taters. Clouds come and clouds go. We are lucky when we find something that makes us happy. The Village Inn's real mashed potatoes did that for me. And so does KMSU and all their wonderful staff and listeners and everything. Thanks for making me happy by listening. Uh, you know, Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen. As always, I enjoyed your wonderful company, and I hope you have a great Tuesday, Tuesday. Uh, yeah, and remember, go get that ticket, 2222. On Tuesday. I, I, it'll be my first lottery ticket buy ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but take care. Thanks, Al. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye.